When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, thank you for joining us for this week's Tripe Supper, our uh, podcast here at the Gazette, talking about Middlesbrough FC. Obviously, you know that because you listen every single week without fail. Uh, I'm Dom Sean. I'm joined by Phil Talentine and Anthony Vickers, who did one without me last week. Yeah, you I? were on international duty. I was on international you, duty. You were in a, a dual-based holiday, weren't you? You yeah. went to Buddha and Pest. Yeah, indeed I did, yeah. Yeah, I was called to... Uh, Called away to Hungary for the first, my first ever visit to Budapest. Beautiful place. Big responsibility for us, the lads. But I think we came through it just about. Yeah, it was a rare. Uh, I'd love to. Was? I'd love to say I missed it, but yeah. wandering around Budapest. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I know where I'd rather be. Yeah. <laughs> and then back from Manchester to see Tom Grennan live, who was well worth a watch. You went to see ELO the same week, I think. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. A couple of review tickets. Couldn't say no. Good. Yeah, cl- classic, classic. Yeah. I wanted to get uh, those tickets for my dad when tickets came out, but they were extortionately priced as they often are these days. Far beyond the journalist's salary these days. Oh yeah. I've seen Mumford like and Sons to, I think were they seventy quid. Yeah, they sounds came out that's what's going right now, isn't it, yeah. for the top gigs at the arena. What's the booking fee? Sixteen quid for Tom Grennan and worth every penny. Mm, take your word for that. <laughs> anyway, anyway um, we're talking about Sheffield Wednesday. Now the last time we were at Sheffield Wednesday you'll probably recall that Borough won and then within a couple of hours of getting home a statement dropped. Well actually I say a couple of hours. I'd we'd literally been in the door Vic. Two minutes, three minutes, put the, house, put the laptop on yeah. um, and a statement on dropped to say that Gary Monk had been sacked as Middlesbrough manager. Um, I barely had time to get a beer out of the <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about what's changed uh, and the things that have gone on well, since. A funny anecdote actually, um, that ties into just what we've been talking about. I'd been watching, I didn't go to Sheffield Wednesday that game, I'd been watching ELO on the telly from Wembley, just happened to be on getting close to Christmas wasn't it so I think we sat around 23rd was it yeah feet up in the front room thing Saturday night probably had an Indian takeaway and a couple of beers classic talent yeah day. classic classic Saturday night treat uh, and uh, so I hadn't had my phone with, next to me went through the kitchen noticed a couple of missed messages from you Dom is uh, gone basically mm. so I was it laptop out and I think for the next four hours took care of themselves but you were saying that because it did come as a bit of a surprise but at half time when Borough were getting beat I think Borough were 1-0 down and, yeah. and you said that you checked the score then and you did think yeah, you know, I was at home that Monk be in trouble here yeah I was at home I was driving up the town actually back home where I live and uh, listen, obviously listening to the match on the radio and 1-0 down at half time and getting myself mentally prepared to do something that night because I thought you know it was just me and Vic had been to Millwall and that was a shocker on the back of other shockers like Bristol City away yeah. The performances weren't there. Whether the the team just had no shape or structure, or there was no method to the to, to the way the team played, or the, the tactical approach. So I was ready at that point, sort of quarter to four, ten to four on the Saturday afternoon, and I'm sure you guys were as well at Hillsborough. That, that it was possibly going to happen over the next twenty four hours. Um, when I saw that Borough had won, obviously, and the, actually the manner of the way they won sounds like they were it was a relatively spirited comeback. It, it was the it was the um happiest I'd seen yeah. Monk yeah. post-match he was all smiles and, and, and I think you know just judging on what he'd said he felt at the time he, he thought were, it was yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he actually together. said that was yeah. the best performance mm. we've we had so far I think we'd all agree we probably thought if even if it was going to happen after that win it would be after Christmas I personally didn't see I didn't see Gary Monk going 
between Christmas and New Year, just because of the the logistics of doing such a thing of getting rid of a manager two days before Christmas interviews. He, so you know, many games we know that Tony Pulis was clearly sort of on the back burner by that stage. But even then, to get a manager up for Boxing Day matches, and and he was, um, I think the other thing that was significant as well that week, from my point of view, is on the Thursday night, Burr had played a game against Darlington at Blackwell Meadows. I remember popping on the way, popping in on the way back home to watch the second half, just to see. You know, I didn't. Ex- we thought maybe it was one or two first teamers who hadn't featured might be involved. And funny enough, it was a very strong team. I can remember Adam Clayton playing, for example, and crunching into players, despite the fact that it was more or less. A behind close, well, uh, sorry, a friendly. It was it was open to the public, but it felt like it was just an ad hoc game. And I remember looking up at the balcony at Blackwell Meadows and seeing Gary Monk and his coaching team leaning watching. And it it didn't feel as though they'd be gone within two or three days, even though they were under pressure. We all knew they were under pressure, and we all knew that he needed the results, particularly after, as I say, the Millwall and Bristol City performances were desperate, and um, the Derby match as well a few weeks before. Um, but so it didn't feel like you know within seventy two hours what it what wherever it was I'd be you know all all of us would be writing his 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 managerial obituary so, um, it it was a strange old time you know and it, it's just part of the job isn't it Christmas was pretty much written off after that you you mentioned Adam Clayton there um got the team written down here Vic of of, of Monk's last uh, game away at Sheffield Wednesday and I think what's more notable is who's missing rather than who's there. Adam Clayton, well, not just wasn't in the team, he wasn't in the squad. Yeah, he wasn't featuring at all. Was Adama he? Traore wasn't in the squad. Daniel Ayala was on the bench. The team, four-two-three-one. Uh, Randolph, Christie, Shotton, who was making only his second start, his only other start had come at home at Brentford in that two-two. Gibson and Fabio. Um, George French would be another one point now because Fabio had established himself as a first-choice mm-hmm. left back at this point. Uh, Johnny Howson and Grant Ledbetter, Stuart Downing, Patrick Bamford and Martin Braithwaite playing off Britta Sombolonga. How noticeable are the changes? Do you think when when you look at the team there? Are you, are you, I mean, I think looking there, there's one Randolph, Shot, and House, and Braithwaite, Downing, and Sombolonga who were potentially, uh, you'd say, Hugo over Brit, but who could start on Friday night. Are you surprised, given how much things seem to have changed in the last ten months, that more than half of the team that started that day could be in line to start Hillsborough this week? Not really, because I don't think it was so much the personnel as the structure of the team and the mentality of the team that, that was lacking. Uh, the, the key tactical change, obviously, has been the switch from the very, very fluidly attacking full-backs, which were immediately pegged back, and Borough became more solid uh, overnight. But I, I think the problem with the, 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 the Gary Monk era is that no-one can pin down what the f- default system was yeah. and what the, the first-choice team was. And it shifted from week to week, and there was no coherence. And I think almost every player since then has alluded to the fact there was a lack of identity, and they didn't really know what they were doing. And everyone's hailed Tony Pulis for his simplicity in stripping away all the layers of confusion and uh, tactical uh, clarity, sound bites, and yeah, it's, it's clarity. Out, everyone says they all know exactly what they're doing, what their job is. So I think that's been the key change. It's been more about structure and identity than personnel. Uh, some of the players uh, in the squad, uh, I mean, we know that, for instance, uh, Shotton and Friend were Im- immediately uh, nailed down as full-backs. Uh, Adama was brought into the team. Uh, an arm was put around his shoulder and he was told to go out and do what he could do rather than 
given complex instructions of what to do when they change from a four two three one to a four three three or you know there was so much confusion in in almost every position that no one not only didn't know what they were doing they didn't know how they linked up with the other people around them and that left a lot of big flaws tactical flaws and weaknesses that other teams learned to exploit very quickly it wasn't just the results at Bristol City and Millwall that was the performance as well well not just that it was the fact that every goal was identical mm. and it I means similar to the, the almost two identical goals at Leeds as well and it seemed that other teams were learning very quickly how Borough played but Borough hadn't learned how Borough played and the flaws that were evident to every other coach in the, the division weren't evident to, to Gary Monk and in the end I think that's why he went because everyone could see there was a, a major, major problem there a tactical flaw through the the empty areas behind the attacking fullbacks, which were being exploited week after week. Phil, um, January could have been very different if had had Gary Monk stayed, because you you know just the players we mentioned there, the likes of Adam Clayton would mm-hmm. have had a decision to make. Now, Clayton may well have thought, you know, I, I don't want to. De- he's happy here. He's settled. Loves the area. Uh, has grown to love the club. Um, you know, I don't think he'd have wanted to jump to any rash decisions but the likes of Clayton and Friend would have had decisions to make Adama Traore yeah. could have ended up departing for a fee nowhere near what well, the club ended up receiving well if you backpedal yeah, I mean, back slightly to the Bristol City match if you'd said on the Sunday morning when you were recapping that match which was on it was a late kick off wasn't it, it was yeah, on the TV if you'd put out a piece to say that Adama Traore will never kick another ball for Middlesbrough I would think you'd be lucky if you get a handful of protests from Borough fans because most people said, well, that's it. And then, and then funny enough, the first thing that people said when Tony Pulis was appointed was, well, that's Adam, Adama Traore. He's, he's definitely not he, You know, player. his goose is cooked now. But, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. The number of players who had an uncertain future, I think it personally, just on the same, kind of, same topic around Monk and indecision, I think it all stemmed back to that week before the opening game of the season when... Um, sorry, the week before the final friendly before the opening game of the season when, when Borough were beaten at Rochdale badly beaten at Rochdale with a strong team and I think he second-guessed himself after that and was never quite sure what he should do tactically um, and in terms of the formation that's why we saw that big radical change for the Wolves match in particular the, the defence that went from a 3 to a 4 however you want to describe it I mean, that was a, that's a huge change to impose on a group of players a week out I don't care whether you're AC Milan Real Madrid Bayern Munich or Middlesbrough or Darlington that's a huge tactical change that you've trialled once before the season starts in a, in a home friendly against Augsburg I think you're absolutely right there's too many players who didn't know their role in the team so if I mean we heard that story didn't we and I think there's a grain of truth in it that someone like Adam Clayton was dropped just to see how he react I think it was that kind of being too clever for his own good management aspect about Monk at Borough as well. Um, there might be something behind that that we don't know because we only see a lot of this superficially see what's going on. But yeah, I mean, Adam Clayton, George Friend, um, certainly people like that. I mean, you've got Bamford there playing as a number 10. He was a very unhappy figure, wasn't he, for a long time at Borough. Um, the bench, a strong bench, you know, the, the Borough signings that aren't getting in the team. Um, so... It, I think it would have come to a head inevitably anyway, even if even if the, if if Steve had, had a second thoughts, you know, 
so I'll leave it to see how it goes in the new year. I might give him the first two weeks of the window or whatever. It, you know, but I think it just it, it didn't look a happy camp, did it? And you know, when you've got if when you've got big characters like George Friend and Clayton not in the team, players who whatever else they are, are one hundred percent footballers who will go out there and do what the manager wants and give it have their absolute everything for the team. To have a signing like Shotton who was signed in the August and barely kicked a ball before December. You know, there's there's so so many examples of a lack of joined up thinking. You've got Fletcher there. What was his role? Why was he signed? You know, he must have been sat thinking, well, what, what am I doing here? I'm not kicking a ball. So it would have been, it's probably, when you look at it and reflect now, it's probably a good job that Steve Gibson made the decision when he did because he, Tony Pulis could walk in. He had a clear focus, didn't he? As Vic just said, clarity of vision. He knew he wanted a George Friend in the team. He decided within a matter of days that Triori was going to be his get-out player. Um, you know, Clayton, I know he, didn't, he wasn't a regular last season as much as he had been before, but he kind of identified the characters and he did make the odd mistake and he didn't get everything right, but he went in with 30-odd years, 40-odd years of managerial experience and he knew exactly what he wanted. And I think that was the difference, a huge step change from a, a manager on his way up who kind of lost his nerve a little bit to a manager who just had nothing to lose. When you look at the team, the the, the player who probably who the team that started Sheffield Wednesday, the player that um, Pulis probably had the biggest impact with in terms of getting an improvement out of was Patrick Bamford, who who was the one of the players who who obviously <coughs> ended up departing in the summer. Gibson, Bamford, we know obviously Traore all left in the summer. Vic, um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago when Pulis talked about the the work that they've done in the transfer window, and he said that. Um, They've, they've trimmed the costs. I can't remember the word he used, but the balance the books was yeah, balance the books effectively. But but he thinks they've made the squad stronger in the process. Do you agree with that? Is the squad is the team stronger now than it was then? Uh, I think it's probably it, it's not about getting the best players. It's about getting the best fit, and that's what managers have to do. They have to get the the best uh, tactical coherence out of any any group of players. Uh, I, I think we know that they're lacking in some areas. The manager's been quite honest about it. They were looking for width. If they had width, they might play in a slightly different way. Uh, I think for the way they were playing at the start of the season, the squad was a good fit. I, I don't think it would have uh, made any difference whether Ben Gibson had been in the mix. Uh, the squad, that, that shape would have been equally coherent, whichever individuals are there. I think we, you know, we we know that it's lacking a little bit of creativity, and the manager's trying to get around that through the system that he's using. Uh, not always successfully. Uh, other teams have started to counter it now, but I do think that, given the group that they've got and the way that he's playing, I can see how he would think this is a better group. Not necessarily more talented or. Uh, a wider range of individual talents, but a better group for what he wants to do. Agree, Phil. I think it's. A, I think it's a, one of those. Really, is one of those glass half full, glass half empty um, questions because you can use stats to make so many points, can't you? I mean, he did what he was asked to do when he came in. He got Burry in the playoffs, and some will say, "Well, he should have got Burry in the top two. He had half a season to do that." If you look at the well, too far gone. if you look at the points total, particularly Cardiff and, and, and Wolves and also Fulham, and look at how many points Borough would have had to have won over that second half of that season, it would have been a monumental effort to achieve that. It would be one of the greatest feats by any Borough manager and in history. It would have had to be all those three. Yeah. Teams as well. So when you look at it and you, when you're rational about it, you kind of think 
he probably did as well as could be expected. I mean, the points per game total wasn't that much different to it had been before he took over. I think what he did train, change was, the, was the, the degree of confidence in the team, the belief in the team. There was always a feeling that he didn't think the team was quite good enough. And you kind of think that he wasn't that surprised when Borough couldn't break down Aston Villa. And most of us probably had those fears about Borough that take Triori out of the game, you kind of nullify Borough, don't you? I don't, I don't, did he get everything right in January? He certainly got a lot of things right for me. <clears throat> I think he was a bit rash in getting Braithwaite out of the club. Um, if I'm being honest but then again we don't know what conversations took place behind the scenes whether it was made clear that Martin Braithwaite just didn't want to be a part of the project but for me his kind of ability was lacking in the second half of the season you know in those tight games you know I think when Borough went down to Cardiff and were a little bit nothing weren't the down matches like that I think I think there still are flaws in the squad and there still are players the squad is still overloaded with players in certain positions. That is not necessarily Tony Pulis's fault. He's tried to do deals in the summer. He tried to get some people out and bring other players in. So I don't think that's all his fault. But I would still say the squad still has a lot of the problems it had 12 months ago. In as much as, you know, you've still got players like Fletcher who don't have a role within the squad. You've, you've got a dearth of central midfielders still. Uh, you know, and you've got a situation where players are playing out of position to get them in the team. The example being um, Savile as a defensive midfielder. Um, I think there's a really interesting sequence of games coming up now. You know, which Borough will turn up? Will it be the first six games of the season, Borough, that were exciting to watch, that were strong, physical, imposing, ruthless, good at the back, um, they looked genuine automatic promotion candidates? Or, or is it the team that we've seen in the last six league matches, which is a bit more of a mirror image of last season's team, that some days are quite good and other days are a little bit iffy? So I think... I think it's a really good good sequence of games coming up now that where we'll get a real handle on you know just where Borough are because there's no doubt about it the division's wide open again now isn't it you're seeing Leeds and Borough both have a little bit of a mini wobble seeing West Brom back on top you know on you know second place Sheffield United kind of desperate in the first couple of weeks of the season now they're sitting up there you know right at the top of the division so. You know, then you've got Sheffield Wednesday coming up, who have had a really good run of fixtures. But have got some, you know, got a derby at home. How will they get on in that match? Rotherham at home. Well, you have to kind of win those games, don't you? So, I think we'll have a really good idea of where Burra when we go into the next international break. Because at the moment, I'm not quite sure. And then just the, I think the one thing with Pulis is when you look at the, the second half of last season, the first half of this season, you could, you know, for example, the thing that made me think of this was uh, I've spoken to Sheffield Stars Sheffield Wednesday reporter this morning he asked me for a predicted team for Friday night and I, I'm, I'm hanging off the phone Vic saying to you do, do you think he'll go four or five do you think he'll go with you know Savile or Bessage but last year you could have absolutely you could have told the opposition reporter the team and have been 100% mm. sure you know that's the team second half the that's yeah. the team he'll yeah. go with yeah yeah, yeah. when Pulis came I'm talking about this year and, and, and it's purely obviously down to squad options he now has a squad that he trusts rather than 11 or 12 yeah. or 13 um, but it is interesting because it is very difficult to second guess Pulis now isn't it? in terms of system and yeah. personnel uh, I think it's been interesting that you know, in that first month, and we were all raving about wing backs, and this is the wing backs, this system works, blah blah blah. And then it's since then it's gradually morphed as he's been given more options, and he, obviously the, the wing backs were were there uh, as a convenience rather than a, a conviction. 
And now he has the extra bodies in midfield. You, you can see that he's trying to feel his way to what would be his default kind of tactical shape, which would be 4 5 1 3 3. However, that front end wants to be fluid, but definitely with a four at the back. Um, we did that uh, thing earlier this week where everyone pick your ideal team and formation and across ourselves and, and writers outside the Gazette there was a consensus that we should go back to wing-backs. Now, Virtually the same 11 players yeah, as well. There's a logic to that because obviously that's the team that we saw playing so well together uh, in a system that they were all suited for and the system that delivered results. But the managers brought in teams that uh, players in that he thinks over the course of the season are going to be a better bet. Mm. He's brought in Saville and Bezic because he thinks that long term they're going to be first team players. So he's trying to evolve a new shape that suits them or can harness them to the best. And obviously there's going to be teething problems because you're changing the system slightly. Plus uh, Saville, uh, Bezic and Ugil didn't do Austria. So they may be a little bit behind in terms of the levels. And it may take a while for that to kind of level out and bed in. And that's always a risk in football, changing a, a shape that everyone's comfortable with. Even if you think in the long term it's going to be better, it's going to deliver better performances and better results. And it has led to, I think, a little bit of a, a period where some of the players are out of sync and some of this, sometimes the shape looks clunky. Whether you stick with that and, go and you know, weather, try to weather that and, and hope that you come out at the other end a better, more effective, more coherent team, or tinker... That's what the manager gets paid for. And he has changed the system before. He went to Leeds and played five at the back rather than five in the midfield. He went to Bristol, uh, who had changed their system expecting the, the wing-backs, and he played a, a four. Uh, he changed the system at Ipswich and played four-two-three-one. So he is willing to change uh, horses for courses. He's a pragmatist. But I do think there's this underlying trend where he is trying to evolve his squad towards something different. Looking at that team again that started at Sheffield Wednesday last week, there's probably only two players last year, sorry, there's probably only two players there who were who were consistent regulars under both. Um, obviously not including players like Gibson who who've since left. Darren Randolph and Johnny Housen. Even with Johnny uh, Housen there's the asterisks attached. There was that piece he did with the Football League paper where he was talking about the, the criticism he received in the first half of last season when he was struggling for form and how it was the first time he'd he'd kind of been singled out like that was I think the, the well, term he used. Yeah. Um, but two players that stand out Ryan Shotton and Stuart Downing for different reasons really. Downing was a, a regular for Monk by the time he left but there'd been nothing of the sort at the start of the season. Ryan Shotton we touched on there was um, only making his second appearance despite the fact Monk waited and waited and waited to sign him. It was yeah. clear that he, he, he really, really wanted, wanted him. him. Um, Shotton we'll talk about in a minute Vic you were purring about him this week and your Twitter mentions were alive, uh, <laughs> alive in response to that but Stuart Downing um, I mean I think it was after the Forest game Pulis said he was the only player who came out with any real credit. Mm. He finished the Monk's reign kind of on a bit of a high and he's continued ever since. I think it was um, Pulis's first game when he went in the press conference afterwards yeah, and said, what do you want? He said, I want a team of Stuart yeah. Downing's. He made it absolutely clear how important Downing was going to be. Was was the game a couple of weeks ago, the first league game he hadn't started under Pulis? Yeah, I'd it was, say. yeah. It started he's every, played a massive role, hasn't it? It started every league game under Pulis since, um, since he came in. Um, it was a bizarre... For me, if you take the if you take 
probably from when Stewie came into the team up till now, he's been arguably Borough's best, most consistent player in an attacking sense, apart from when Triori came back. Uh, I think he's been better since Triori's left, and I think he was better before Triori came into the team under Pulis. Um, and, and, and obviously, he, he had that whole carry on, didn't he? Another thing that probably wasn't Gary Monk's, well, I know it wasn't Gary Monk's fault, that he inherited a situation where Stewie Downing was going to be leaving, wasn't he? Was basically, they wanted him to join Birmingham and he didn't want to go. Um, which, which in hindsight was a brilliant decision. Yeah, yeah. But for both him and, the, and for Middlesbrough. Absolutely, yeah. Um, he didn't want to go, obviously, for financial reasons as much as anything. And also, he felt he was being, probably being pushed out of the club, whatever. Um, so there was that all carry on, and obviously he was training with the kids at what the you know the resis, whatever you want to call them these days. At one point, but I think Gary Monk realised he needed him, and credit to him for putting him in the team. And he he prospered, didn't he? He had a bit of a point to prove, and he was he was good going up to the end of uh, last year, and he's been good for me you know, more often not this season, particularly when him and Braithwaite were both purring in the first few weeks. Um, it's an old cliche, but there's no substitute for class. Yeah, I think it's worth saying as well that not only has he been good, he's been good in a whole host of positions. He's played on the left, he's played on the right, he's played in the middle, he's mm. played as a wing back. And for all the stick that he gets, you know, he, he he's consistently one of the best users of the ball. He doesn't waste possession, he, he, he reads the game really well. Uh, he probably takes a lot of hits because. He reads the game well and drops deep to, to, to stop the opposition when Borough getting overloaded in midfield. He's done that several times and everyone's just saying, well, there he's being negative. What, what he's actually doing is stopping Middlesbrough being overloaded and going behind and then and the game's gone. Um, I think off the pitch as well, a couple of weeks ago when we were over at Rockcliffe for a presser and Pulis was talking about the young players and why he likes them to go out on loan and whatnot. But, but he was saying, you know, while they're here, while they're not out on loan, while they're here, they're learning from, from real top pros and twice... He used Downing as the example. Real top pros like Stuart Downing. Yeah. He was the one and only player he mentioned. Now, you know, Borough squad's packed with pros. You can name them yeah. all. Anyway. Yeah. But he was the example he picked yeah. out twice. Yeah, and it's it, it's um it's it 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 was it was clever of um Pulis to sort of say that more or less in his first press conference mm. because it was an early sign of the man management that yeah, around the shoulder that yeah. saw Triori I mean, I mean, I don't always agree with everything that Tony Pulis says, but he much he understands much better than Gary Monk did the value of a quote in a press conference, yeah. and he knows quite often what he's doing when he says it. You know, he threw that thing in about the Sheffield Wednesday match, didn't he? The timing of it, you know, this week's match on Friday, which comes a couple of days after the international. You know, he's, sorry to put in. You know that he, he knows what he's doing because he often repeats almost yeah. word for word yeah. the same thing. Tease, yeah. and then when he comes to, to the, to to the, the TV written, cameras yeah. to tease, and then to the written press as well, he's got that bullet loaded, hasn't he? Mm. And um, it was clever for him to to pick out Downing in that earlier press conference because he'll have been aware of the politics. I'm sure he was briefed about it when you know when he came in and he made it crystal clear you know any sensible manager bigs up the players who are probably going to save his career further down the line I do I, 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 you know he, he'll think he's doing it for the right reasons and he may well be correct in that you know every time he mentions a match that Borough maybe has edged 1-1 uh, or not quite uh, won when they should have done it's like well if only that chance Brit had <laughs> had gone in the net and he do, you know it literally does come down that and sometimes it's a fair comment you know if, if Brit takes his chance against Nottingham Forest when Borough won down or whatever it was at the time the it's game on again isn't it but I always think it's a, it's a strange game to just throw the same player 
out, you know, virtually under the bus every week. And I, I know he, like, we all know why he's doing it. He's wanting to G Brit up and get more out of him. And he thinks he's, you know, he thinks there's still more to come from British Sombolonga. So it might, in the end, be clever, clever psychology. But, so, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, and his stuff he said about Triori, you know, he did. He wasn't interested in what happened with Triori the the day before he walked through the door. It was arm round his shoulder. Probably saw him on the training ground two or three times. Thought, dear me. If he only comes good once in a match, he's going to be enough for me. And that's pretty much what he did at Adama, didn't he? Some games you'd barely see him. Other games you'd do two or three of those incredible runs and Burrow were out of sight. Um, it'd, be, it'd be nice to sit down with Pulis, wouldn't it? And, and the conversation to say, how, how long did it take you in your first training mm. session to think we've got something? Was it his yeah. first training session? Was it his second, third to yeah. think, when you know, yeah. we need to harness this. We yeah. need to build, and, build uh, around this. And just before you come on to shop with Vic, the only final point I was going to make is it's underrated the value of a manager knowing how to use the press conference and use the press. It's become a little bit passé. Um, it's a, you know we, we all we all know that Gary Monk's press conferences were deadly dull and he he suffered because of it in my view and I'll continue to say that he didn't identify himself with the Teesside public you know how 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 soon was it that Tony Pulis I think it was his first press conference on Boxing Day when he said you know Teesside it's like South Wales steelworks the the hardworking people they're good people the people like me genius to say that you know first of all you sat there thinking he gets us. He's from South Wales, his family of you know, steel workers or whatever it is, you know, New, he's from Newport, you know, they've even got their own transporter bridge. He gets us. Whatever else he does on a football pitch, you know, he texts the, he texts the players for a cycle ride over to Redcar to show them the steel works you know, a few, few months ago. You, you know, that stuff is priceless when it comes to buying you a little bit of time with supporters. Now, I know he's not everybody's cup of tea amongst the fan base, but in that side of things, he's played a blinder for me. Vic, you've been teed up, Ryan Shotton. A couple Shotton. minutes before yeah. we, we wrap up, say what you want to say. I heart shot. <laughs> IDST. Uh, it comes back to what we were saying earlier on about the, the five and the shape being, uh, whether it's been out, out of conviction or convenience, that was the, the period in the season when Borough were at their best. And for me, one of the reasons for that is that, that Ryan Shotton made that work. Uh, as a journeyman fullback, there's probably many like him in the championship but I think last season he was probably probably slightly hampered by the fact that he had Adama Traore in front of him uh, Traore does a lot of good things but he also used to wander off and perhaps abandon abandon some of his discipline which meant that Shotton was very often facing uh, you know someone running giving a free run down that flank uh, in the wing back role he's got three behind him which make it very very solid he doesn't have to look over his shoulder all the time and he was kind of given licence to get up high up, up the pitch as you can, find width, find angles and put the ball in. And there's been times this season when he, he, he's been rampant up that flank. And there's been times when he's been doing drag backs and little flicks. And there was a one weaving run where he looked like he was actually channeling Adama. Uh, and that has been one of the, the most prolific outlets for Borough this season. And I think he deserves praise. It's really easy for, for people to say, oh, he, he, he's no bloody good, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he, he's not good enough for us. We should be having better players at this club. You've got to work with what you've got. And you've got to work within the restrictions of, of the system that you've got. And within that, you want people to do their best. And I think he's been doing his best consistently week in, week out this season. Uh, Michael O'Neill was talking about Paddy McNair being a right wing back and to kind of embrace the idea of becoming a right wing back. Um, I've seen a few Borough fans on, on Twitter call for McNair to be given a, a shot at right wing back. Is there any threat 
of shot and losing his place. He, I mean, he's been one of Pulis's go-to yeah, men, hasn't he? There's nothing that suggests that's going to change. Was it? He had a little bit of a, an, to be fair, an off afternoon. Was it Forrest? Shot. Yeah. Yeah. As a, as you a know, fullback as in a players, team that was as, being as all players yeah. do have a occasionally yeah. have an off afternoon. I'm not. I'm not saying he's. No, no. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's when people start I'm, saying. I'm saying within that yeah. shape that we've been playing this season, yeah. he has been one of the, the absolutely vital components. Yeah. I think that's what I was just going to say. In terms of Paddy, Paddy McNair coming in. Well, if that means that Borough are playing that shape and getting the same results, then you know I'm perfectly open to to chop and change, and, and likewise Sam McQueen on the left. Uh, if that's the system you go to play, uh, I think that's the system that probably would get the best out of the various component parts in the squad. I mean, I make no apology for for being an advocate of wing backs, and that's the way I always would have played given given the option. Uh, suddenly, it's viable, and we know that. Borough can deliver results through it so uh, I'm perfectly willing to go back to that and in that shape I think Ryan Shotton deserves credit for what he's done this season Back to where we started then Hillsborough Friday night uh, Sheffield Wednesday are only three points behind Borough now after the, their decent run they've gone on um, it's a big game isn't it the first of the next chunk of fixtures yeah. on the back of the defeat and the fact that you know the teams behind are just gathering but it could do we're getting a result there. I think that's what I was saying wasn't it that, that, you know the last six weren't that convincing results wise and I think we need to find out what this team's all about and I think this is a good sequence of matches to do that there are no gimmies I don't think with the possible exception of Rotherham at home um, they've lost all six yeah um, you know it's, it's, it's you know you think as I say Derby's coming up Brentford's not that far away Aston Villa's not that far away um, so it, it, it's not going to get any easier and I think I'd like to think that Borough could get back to that sort of dominant form that they showed in the first six because they did look like they could take on anybody and give them a, give them a, give them a, a fair old fight um, that isn't the case at the moment you know particularly with the Forest performance it was so scratchy and um, it was just it was it was it was like uh, you know a bad performance from last season for me where the, the strike is exposed. Um, there's no there's no support for for in the final third, um, the opposition dominated the um, certainly on the break you know looked really dangerous didn't and I think on the evidence of that Forrester are a very very good team but go, but getting back to Borough I do think it's a it it might be what they need they know they need to be on the game on Friday night they know they've got like an inform Adam Reach for example who's you know scoring for fun at the moment world class goals, um, it's on TV there'll be a good Borough contingent there again. Be interesting to see what team he picks because of the international yeah. break. I think we might be able to read a fair bit into that. So it, yeah, it could, it, that could be the moment to switch back to the, the wing backs because if you've got um, uh, Saville and Bezic, maybe a little bit below the levels because they've been playing, maybe that's the, the the time when you you tinker again and get some width. Chef uh, Wed had a very dodgy start. I think they only got one point in the first three games. Since then, they've only lost one. Uh, unbeaten at home, uh, but uh, they haven't kept a clean sheet all season, which suggests that they're the only were, team in the championship. Uh, suggests they're fragile at the back. Uh, the last three at home have been draws, although they've been tough games. Leeds were in there, West Brom were there, were in there, uh, and the last home game they were two 0 up and then let it go in the last five minutes. So while they've had a good run of results they're clearly not unbeatable and they may be fragile at the back so let's go there and test them excellent thanks phil thanks vic thank you for listening please subscribe and join us for all the build-up to the game throughout friday cheers thank you